But Lord, we do uh, also pray for this situation at Presbytery that you would give those of us um, trying to investigate and, and know how to decide uh, and what to do and so forth. Give us wisdom. We pray for all those involved, the church and um, uh, the elder and the and this um, this woman and the ex-husband and their family and just all these things. Lord, we pray that you would, you would be merciful and, and draw them all to yourself, that uh, righteousness would prevail. Lord, we pray as we um, continue to look at um, the skill of, of studying your word, that you would give us strength by your spirit. And so we pray these things then in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> all right. Well, <clears throat> we, of course, have been talking about... Um, some figures of speech here recently, and uh, we um, <clears throat> we have talked so far about similes and metaphors, these figures of comparison, and and in one sense they're they're very similar, aren't they? Uh, whether you're talking about a simile or a metaphor, in, in many ways the process of interpretation is is the same. Uh, the point is oftentimes the same. The The challenge with metaphor is it's more of a direct comparison, so sometimes <clears throat> it makes it a little more challenging to understand. Um, but for the most part, those two uh, go together rather nicely. Um, the next one I want us to talk about then is uh, what we call personification. This is one that uh, I think, in certain ways, we all kind of (laughs) like. Because we're talking about giving human characteristics to things that are not human. And uh, we do this on a regular basis, uh, just day to day. Uh, You know, the trees are groaning in the wind. Well, obviously trees don't have mouths. They don't have vocal cords or anything like this to, to make sound. And yet, obviously, when you're outside in the wind, uh, you hear them making noises. And, um, and so that's a personification. Or the clouds are racing across the sky. Well, obviously, they don't have feet. You know, there's not a track they're running on or you know something to that effect. Um, and yet, obviously, we're talking about them uh, hurrying along. You see the clouds going very quickly through the sky. Uh, we may uh, do this um, with animals, uh, and we can do this, obviously, with animals talking. Uh, many children's books are about animals talking, and that's just one big personification. Um, now, some people think they can talk to their pets and carry on a conversation, but, uh, <laughs> um, uh, but, but this is what we're talking about. Um, so... Um, Again, another thing that is, is very common for us uh, to use and to see, and we see it quite frequently in the scriptures. So let's look at a few examples here then. Let's turn to the Psalms again, where we see many of, the, of them here. Psalm 6 here, first of all. Psalm 6, this 
Psalm of David. And uh, verse 1, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul is also greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? We certainly can continue here. Um, so, what is the personification here in this these uh, few verses? Yeah, yeah, the bones being troubled. Yeah, yeah, or dismayed, depending on your translation, something like that. Okay. Now, <clears throat> do bones have emotions? Okay. Of course not. Okay. It's just you know, they're just bones. Yeah, they. Bone marrow in it, and you know, blood surrounds it. You know, all these sort of things. But obviously, they don't have emotions. But yet, what is David communicating then when he says that his bones are troubled? Okay, yeah, his innermost being. That's right. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed the. Uh, um, Verse 3, my soul also is greatly troubled. So you're talking about that innermost aspect of, of who David is. And, um, and even the, um, if you will, the most substantive part of who we are. Our bones physically, our soul ultimately, of course. Um, and so here he's, he's giving his body, his, his bones... A, a person-like quality. It's well. I think to if you keep going down through the the psalm that. Um, I am not seeing anything here that would indicate there was physical uh, pain in it. Um, you know, you, you um, look at verse 6, I'm weary with my groaning all night, right? I make my bed swim, I drench my couch with uh, my tears, my eyes waste away because of my grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Um, and so forth, the voice of his weeping. Um, we don't know where this came from. You know, is he running from Saul uh, or Absalom? Uh, we don't know. And, and yeah, maybe his body is weary as he hides out in the cave and runs from one place to the next or something like that. Um, he doesn't bring that out here in the psalm. He could be laying on his wonderful kingly couch in the, in the palace and uh, not have any physical difficulty, but emotionally, certainly, um, that is emphasized. Uh, the psalm doesn't inc- exclude that idea, Michelle, but it also doesn't include it. Um, and certainly on other occasions, I, I'm sure it does include it. Uh, it just doesn't, doesn't indicate so here. All right, well... Let's look at another then. Let's turn to Psalm 19. All right. 
Now you might recall um, a couple weeks ago we looked at verse 5 in particular, and um, I think it was 5 and 6 if I remember right. Let's look at verses 1 to 4 here now. Maybe I'll ask one of you to read it if you would. Go ahead, Matthew. That last part, of course, spills into the next two verses. So, what is the personification here then? What's uh, David saying? Okay, alright. Let's talk about the heavens and specifically uh, certain aspects of the heavens and, and what is the personification? What are they doing? Yeah, they're speaking. They're speaking. Now, um, you know, obviously, um, the firmament doesn't speak audibly. It doesn't have vocal cords and a tongue and a mouth. Hey, um, you know, the sun. He goes on to say here, uh, it, it obviously doesn't say anything the way that we would speak. So there's your personification. But what then is David telling us by this? Okay. 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 Yep. is a universal tongue, if you will. Okay. Alright, we call this general revelation, right? God reveals himself through the things that he has made to everyone in general. So that is his creation, that's his providence. Um, That's what we mean by that. And then here in the psalm, right, that's verses 1 to 6. Verses 7 to 14 is what we call special revelation. God reveals himself to special people. Not everybody. Not everyone in general. But some special group. So the law of the Lord is perfect. Well that special group of course was Israel. And now the church. His law, yes, has been written on everyone's hearts. And so you have that idea. But the, the specific Testimony, statutes, ordinances, commandments, right? That was given to Israel and, and to his church. Um, but back to our point. Here we have, in general revelation, these things speaking and communicating things about God. Okay, so what do they say about God? What are some of the things that are mentioned here? Okay, all right. Okay, all right. Okay, he is glorious, right? The glory of God. What else? Okay, all right. 
Okay. Alright. Yeah. You see where Paul gets his words in Romans 1. He very much has a passage like this in mind when he says, Everyone knows God exists, and they suppress that truth. God is plain to everyone, and um, they have no excuse to say they don't, they don't know God. Uh, all right, well, not wanting to get into the theology of it so much, but just the the personification here, uh, here in this way. All right, well, let's look at another one, Psalm 93. <clears throat> All right, Psalm 93, and uh, if I get someone to read verses 3 and 4. Go ahead. So what is the personification here then? Okay. Yeah, we have another inanimate object in the sense of not human speaking. Okay. Here it's the floods. Right? The waters lifting up their voice and, and so forth. And, of course, the point then is, as great as the waters are, right? Has everyone been to the ocean at some point in time? Okay. I mean, those on a stormy day, that can be rather intimidating, huh? Um, and um, I remember being down at the Gulf one time, and there was a big storm out there. And uh, even in the Gulf of Mexico, the waves were rather impressive. Um, you go to Atlantic on a sunny day, and the waves are even bigger. But uh, <laughs> see that on a stormy day, and... Uh, and yet the Lord is mightier than any of those things. That's the point. But again, you see the personification in it then. Here you have waters speaking. And of course, if you've ever been by the water for any period of time, it, it does sound like it's speaking, doesn't it? I remember going to, well, that camp I mentioned the other night uh, up on Lake Huron, and we we would camp in our, our pop, pop-up camper and sleep out right by the water and just talking all night. Put me to sleep very quickly. <laughs> um, so anyway. Um, Like you said, that's not what it says, but it's it's not an unrelated idea, uh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's look now at Psalm 98. And uh, Psalm 98. Somebody read for us verses 7 to 9.
Same image here, isn't it? You've got these non-human things speaking. Uh, here the sea again, roaring. Uh, the rivers now. Note it's not a voice though. And clapping their hands. And uh, okay, you can go along the river, especially if there's a bunch of rocks. It sounds like a clapping to some degree. Um, and then the hills now are speaking. They're joyful because the Lord comes to judge. They're excited that their maker has come. Um, judging with righteousness. Um, <clears throat> hopefully we'll have a few judges judge with righteousness with this whole election issue. Um, but here again we see the personification, giving human characteristics to something that is not human. Um, all right, let's turn then to Micah and chapter 6. I'm sure you have some, some in mind. And uh, these are just a few of them. All right, Micah 6, verses 1 and 2. Someone read that for us then. Okay, go ahead, Jake. personification here now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what human characteristic do they have then? Yeah. We've been talking about the mouth uh, on several of these. Now it's the ear. And so they're actually listening. And of course, you know, you go out in the woods or something and sometimes it sounds like they're listening to you, right? <laughs> and... Uh, it's our, our tendency to give human uh, explanations and experiences to something that is not human. We, we do it on a regular basis. And here it's in the context of uh, uh, witnessing against Israel because of their sin. So the witnesses here are not human witnesses in this, in this, uh, this section. All right, let's do one more then. Uh, Luke chapter 19. Yeah, Joe's getting ahead of us over here. All right, Luke 19. And Joe, since you spoke up, I'll have you read it. How's that? <laughs> Verses 39 and 40. basic ideas. Stone's crying out here if the disciples do not proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah. He has come to Jerusalem to die. So there's no stopping it. Somebody's going to proclaim these things, even if it's a rock. Um, and so here's Jesus' point. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe. Uh, remember, John the Baptist said something similar that he could make these rocks into descendants of Abraham, and um, God could. I don't think that's John's point. His point is, yeah, and, and there he's saying, you know, why did you come out to me? You know, you don't really want to repent. Um, it's not enough to be a descendant of Abraham, right? We need to have a right heart and such before the Lord. Um, certainly, Jesus could have made this happen. Um, I'm not sure that that's his point, but um, it's, yeah, it has to be fulfilled. The scripture has to be fulfilled, and that's that's why it has to happen. Verse 38, quotation there. not done this um, but it is interesting as you mentioned a few more how many of these do talk about speech and since we're talking about God's revelation through general revelation it makes sense that many of these personification passages would refer to the mouth um, and even the ears are not all that unrelated because <laughs> somebody's speaking to them you have all this emphasis on speaking, the revelation of truth in one way or another. Um, so, But it would be interesting to know how many uh, of the personifications we see in Scripture emphasize that. I would suspect it's, it's the most of, of any of them. So anyway, here's, here's our uh, basic thought uh, on this. Any questions or comments? All right, so let's now turn from human characteristics applied to something that is not human to now human characteristics applied to God. And what do we call that? Emma? Yes. So, um, just a brief etymology here. This part comes from anthropos in Greek, referring to man or human. And then orphos is the other Greek word referring to form. So human form now, human the human body basically. And then again, here you have anthropos, anthropos and, and now you have Pathos, which is the other Greek word, and that refers to emotions and feelings and desires and so on. So, so the first word then are human characteristics in terms of the body that is applied to God. And the second one are human characteristics in regard to our emotions and feelings that are applied to God. Okay. Now again, kind of like we do with 
you know, the animals or the trees or whatever, it makes sense. We're, we're very egocentric kind of people, aren't we? <laughs> so we apply things that we understand to something else. Um, and we do the same to God. And this is permissible uh, because we see it in the scriptures regularly. And, of course, we're made in God's image. We are reflecting God himself in our body, yes, and in our soul. And so these, these human characteristics have been given to us by God, and it reflects who he is. So this is perfectly justified for us to do. But we do need to be very careful, don't we? Because we don't want to apply the limitations to our humanity and the sinfulness of our humanity to God. So if we talk about God's hand, we don't want to limit him in, into some kind of you know, physical thing uh, because God is spirit. And if we talk about, um, say, God's anger or wrath or jealousy, we don't want to impose on him all the sinful aspects that we do when we do those things. Um, so we can do it. And we need to do it, but we need to be careful at the same time. Um, uh, yes? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good question. Uh, there have been some people in our circles that would say that that God has no emotions, period. I don't think that makes any sense because how would we have emotions if he didn't? So um, I agree with those who would say, and and this is certainly the majority position, definitely, uh, that what is emphasized there is not that he doesn't have any emotions, but they are not, um, if you will, pathological like ours can be. It don't have the sinful component to it. Um, so, yeah, some will say, well, God has a mind, and God has a will, but he doesn't have the emotions. But I just, I, how would we have any? So it, 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 they are perfect. There's no... Which is the second option, isn't it, that I just gave? That, that would, what you just said fits with that understanding. So, yeah. Yeah, Matthew. And you're correct. That is one of the arguments that people of that first view will use. Um, but uh, the Bible also says God changes his mind. <laughs> he repents. He's sorry. Well, how do we understand that? I think all of that is anthropomorphic language.
All part of who he is. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Susan. Yeah, immutability does not <clears throat> mean immovability. And uh, we, we just, I think sometimes we apply the ideas of immutability too broadly. And uh, I think that's what you're saying. I think that's what they're doing. I'm sorry? fly off the handle or we get really depressed or whatever it is that's that's all part of our character it's not something outside of us um, so <laughs> I'm not really in one sense interested in getting into uh, God's character here but obviously it's related um, and part of it is we're trying to explain something that we don't experience we are mutable we don't understand immutability uh, we, we can touch on it in a negative way most of the, most of the time. Uh, we can't really positively understand that that attribute because that doesn't describe us. Um, but again, you know, if we have emotion, God has to have emotion. If Christ had emotion, that isn't just human emotion; that's divine emotion too. And uh, it changes to some degree, but that doesn't fundamentally change his plan or his character um, so well we better better quit here they're ready to get upstairs so uh, we'll pick up with this Lord willing next time let's pray together Lord we thank you for <coughs> uh, your word and and how you use all these uh, images and and uh, figures and such to help us to understand your truth to understand you and uh, though we are still left with many questions and, and uh, we, we grasp it at comprehension, um, uh, we are thankful that you have given us these things that we might apprehend uh, to some degree your, 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 who you are. And uh, so, Lord, we uh, pray for your continued strength to uh, grow us in our knowledge and skill in this, in this way. 
We pray again now as we we gather for worship that you would uh, be pleased to meet with us and fulfill your promises among us. And so we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.